Father God, we give you uh, the highest praise. Uh, You have opened our eyes to help us to see your goodness, and so we worship you this morning. Uh, God, we give you thanks for giving to us your living and active word. We thank you that you still use it uh, to form us, to shape us, to change us uh, into the image of your Son. I pray that you would do that this morning. Uh, God, I pray that you would remind us of your goodness today, uh, that we would see you for who you are, and that we would be changed uh, for your glory and for our good. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name and by your Spirit. Amen. At this time, I would like to dismiss our children, uh, kindergarten through fifth grade, uh, to CP Kids. Uh, Parents, take a look around. If your child is leaving, you are responsible for picking them up. No, no, it's true. If they are leaving, you will need to pick them up after the service. You've been doing a great job the last couple of weeks. Super proud of you. So make sure you do not forget them. Up, uh, up until this point, we have had no children left behind. So we have been, we have been very excited. See you, Wes. Goodbye, children. Goodbye. 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 All right, I have three goals uh, this morning. Number one, I want to discuss a purpose in pain and in suffering. Discuss a purpose in pain and in suffering. Uh, Number two, I want us to think together about how seeing the true light uh, gives us spiritual sight. And then third, I want to share a brief word about worship. My goal is... Uh, is to be done by the start of student ministry tonight at five. And so we, we don't have snacks. And there is some water in the back if you need it around two or three. Uh, we are in John chapter nine. And so if you have your Bibles, please turn with me. John chapter nine. We're making our way through the gospel of John. Uh, the passage is going to be on the screen for you this morning. If you have a copy of the scriptures, you can pull it out and follow along. If you have the version app, and I can't think of a good reason why you would not have the version app, you can pull it out, open up the app. On the bottom right-hand corner, there, there's a little thing that looks like a hamburger. You can click on it. And, uh, it says more and look for events. Click on events. Look for Christ Point Church. Uh, you can follow along uh, with the passage this morning that way as well. What we're going to do today is, uh, instead of reading the whole passage up front, we're just going to kind of walk through it in bits and pieces. Uh, We are going to hear the story about a man who was born blind, uh, who Jesus miraculously gave sight to. Uh, And what's amazing about this story is that uh, despite how, how miraculous that was, that was not the main miracle that takes place. Uh, So John chapter 9, beginning in verse 1, reads, As he passed by, he saw a man born blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? We don't know everything about this man. We don't have a long and lengthy bio Uh, But we can read this story, and there are at least a handful of things that we can surmise. Uh, For instance, we know that this man has been blind from birth. And so you can imagine that. Uh, This this man never saw the beauty of a sunrise. 
Uh, He did not experience the smile uh, on his mother's face when he was a baby. Uh, He never saw the waves come in uh, at the Sea of Galilee. Uh, He never uh, paused and saw the beauty of the created world around him. He never opened his eyes early one morning and saw the sun peeking in his window and noticed the dust particles floating in the air. He didn't see the beauty of the sunset at the end of the day. I mean, think about all of the things that you see, that you experience throughout the course of the day with your sight, with your eyes. And he saw uh, none of it. Uh, Darkness was his life uh, day in and day out. Uh, We know that this man, in part because he was blind, uh, spent his life as a beggar. Uh, We know that because the story tells us. Later in verse 8 in John chapter 9, it says, The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg. Right, so he is the guy on the street corner or at the city gate, probably looks a little disheveled. He's not all that put together. His hair is likely a little messy. Uh, perhaps he has some bread in his beard. You, you pass by him every day. And maybe, maybe you hear his cries. Maybe you hear him lift his voice and say, please, please, would you help? Please, mercy, mercy, do you have any spare change? Do you have any spare change? Anything would help. Perhaps you can hear the coins in his little cup clang together. He's not lazy or unmotivated. He's blind, and he has been his whole life. And so this is his lot in life. We know from the text that his parents can't care for him because he's a beggar. He's likely not living under their their roof. We don't know that for sure. Uh, But we know that he uh, needs help. One of the challenges when we read the Bible is that it can come across as a story that took place thousands of years ago but at times it can seem detached from our everyday lives. Uh, But this story doesn't. This story doesn't. Because even though this man's story is likely not your story, uh, you can imagine what it's like to live with a disability. Uh, Perhaps you do. Or maybe someone you love does. Maybe a friend, maybe a relative, maybe your son or your daughter. So you can put yourself in this man's shoes. His story hits close to home. And so when we read it this morning, maybe you sit up in your chair and lean in a little. With your imagination, you can picture what it is like uh, to be him. 
I just want to make an observation out of the gate as we begin walking through the text. One of the first things that we notice as we read the passage is that Jesus notices. Jesus notices this man. As he walked by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. That little detail is not insignificant. Because Jesus doesn't simply see him from a distance and go, oh, there's the blind beggar, and then go on his way. No, he sees this man. Jesus sees the disabled or the other abled. Jesus sees the sufferer. Um, Jesus sees those that oftentimes we look past. Sometimes when we come across someone uh, who may have some sort of disability, there may be a temptation to metaphorically uh, cross over to the other side of the street. Uh, Maybe there is a temptation to avoid uh, the man or the woman. We can do this for any number of reasons. Uh, for this man, maybe people saw him every day and uh, they, they got tired or weary from him always asking for money. Maybe they had helped him once or twice and they didn't have any money on them and they felt a little inconvenienced. Perhaps they were in a hurry. Maybe they wished that he would just go somewhere else and ask for money. Maybe they didn't want to strike up a conversation with him because they feared they would say the wrong thing. Maybe they wanted to avoid an awkward conversation. Maybe you've been there before. You're not adept at these things, and so you think saying nothing at all would be better than saying the wrong thing. And so you you just ignore uh, the person with a disability. Uh, But Jesus does not. Uh, Jesus sees the disabled. Jesus sees the sufferer. And Jesus takes notice. Uh, He did then, and he does now. Uh, People with a disability are not an inconvenience. They're not an inconvenience. Every human being is fearfully and wonderfully made by God, created in his image. Every human being has value and worth in the sight of God. And rest assured, Jesus sees them, he knows them, and he made them. May we see the disabled that God puts in our path. Jesus sees this man, and the story continues, with the disciples asking a question that may come across as a bit odd or awkward or even cruel. It says in verse 2, and the disciples asked him, they asked Jesus, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind. The disciples see this man and they have questions. 
And they have questions. They are seeking an explanation uh, from Jesus. They want a reason that this man is the way that he is. They want to know just who is responsible. Did he do something? Which is interesting because he was born blind. Or was it his parents that are to blame? Uh, It was not uncommon in the day for people to assume when they saw someone who was suffering uh, to want an explanation. They they want to know uh, who is responsible. Um, This question may come across as cruel, uh, but there was a belief that when someone experienced hardship in life, there was a reason why. People thought there is something that we should, or something that we should be able to point to to explain why it is that someone is experiencing the hardship that they are experiencing. We see this in other places in Scripture. We see this uh, with Job's so called friends when they come to his aid and pontificate when Job finds himself on hard times. Uh, perhaps we personally have, have thought something similar to ourselves, even though we would never admit it or say it out loud. Um, oftentimes, even as Christians, as believers, we function with a certain sense of Christian karma. We assume if someone is down on their luck or have experienced a hard time, Perhaps they deserve it or they've done something to earn it. The flip side is true as well. If we see someone who is by all accounts blessed by God, we may think to ourselves, well, they're living right. We say things that are somewhat true, like you reap what you sow. And we can kind of go through life and just assume that if someone is experiencing hardship, they've done something to deserve it. And if they're not experiencing hardship, well, then probably uh, they did their devotions that morning. Uh, But Jesus, uh, Jesus is going to blow that mindset and that way of thinking out of the water. The disciples are asking for the reason that this man was born blind. But Jesus doesn't give the reason. Jesus does give a purpose. Verse 3 in John chapter 9 reads, Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Jesus told his disciples, This man was born blind, so that God's works might be displayed in him. There's a sense where this man was born blind in part so Jesus could heal him. And there is this sense where this man was born blind so that Jesus could heal him and then later do a more miraculous work in his life, not by giving him physical sight, but by giving him spiritual sight. Remember, Signs and miracles in the Bible are divine pointers uh, that point us to the works of God. So when Jesus performed a miracle, it wasn't just for the sake of healing someone or giving someone food, filling their bellies. 
Uh, it was so that he might do a work in such a way that people could see Jesus for who he is. And that is what we are going to see happen uh, with this man. Uh, but before we do, I want to ask you a question. I want to ask you a question. I want us to think together about this for a second because Jesus responds to his disciples with a profound statement. He said, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. When you read that or when you hear that, my question for you, question for us, is, um, is that okay? Like, is, is, is that okay? Is that good news for this particular man? Is that good news for those who suffer with disabilities? If this man was born blind and lived his whole life up until this point so that the works of God might be displayed in his life, are we okay with that? You know, it seems like oftentimes, I'll speak for myself, oftentimes I think to myself, there is a particular way that life is supposed to go. Like there is a life that all of us long to live. And more often than not, when someone asks us what our hopes and dreams are, we paint a picture that doesn't look like this. And so sometimes when uh, we come across an individual uh, who is not living the life that we dream of, we've got all sorts of thoughts and emotions that rush through our minds and in our hearts. I remember a couple years ago when we were in Honduras, we were visiting this one particular village and we went and spent time with this family and uh, this, this woman had a son uh, who was, he was not well. And this, this boy, this little boy was just covered in flies. I mean, it was, it was a difficult-to-stomach situation. And I, and I left that, that home just gutted and tears in my eyes. And I thought to myself, that is not fair. That's not fair. Like, nobody should have to experience that. That should not be anyone's story. So I have, we have experiences like that. And just full disclosure, I have those experiences and I think to myself, Lord, what are you doing? What are you doing? Because here's a man from, from birth who could not see. And he was, a, he was a beggar. People walked over him. For his whole life, he was unseen. And I hear these words of, of Jesus, and I just ask myself the question, is, is that okay? 
Is, is it okay that, that Jesus, in his wisdom and sovereignty, before the foundation of the earth was ever laid, dreamed up this man, formed and shaped him in his mother's womb, knowing full well that this man would not uh, be able to see. If what ultimately brings us joy in life is living the good life as we define it, then this is going to seem cruel. If, if our ultimate in life is to live our best life now, this is not going to make any sort of sense. If this life in this world is all we have, then living a life in utter darkness does not seem right. But, but, if the steadfast love of the Lord is better than life, if it is better than seeing, than walking, than speaking, than health, than pain or disability, if it is better than life itself, then what Jesus does in this man's life is better than okay. It is miraculous and it is good. Pain and suffering in this life is not wasted. It's not wasted. It was not wasted for this man. It was not wasted for this man and it's not wasted for us either. The story continues in verse 4. Jesus said, we must do uh, the work, uh, uh, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Jesus claimed that he came to do the work of God. His work was to give his life as a ransom for many. Uh, his death is coming, uh, but now he is working works of life. Darkness is coming, but now Jesus has come to give life. Jesus has been teaching us in the Gospel of John uh, that he is bread for those who are hungry. He is water for those who are thirsty. He is light uh, for those who live in darkness. At this point, uh, Jesus is going to do something miraculous. Uh, and, and again, what is amazing is that what he does next is not even the most impressive miracle that Jesus does in this passage. We read it, and it may sound a little strange, but Jesus is up to something here. Look at verse 6 of John chapter 9. It says, Having said these things, he, Jesus, spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of shalom, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seen. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. Right? That is a miracle. He was blind and now he sees. We learn from the text why Jesus healed the man the way that he did. First, we see the significance of where Jesus sent the man to wash. Siloam means sent. Jesus is referred to in the Gospels as the one 
who has been sent by God. Also, these waters are mentioned in Isaiah chapter 8, uh, verse 6. It talks about how um, because the people rejected the waters, uh, that God's judgment would come upon the people. Uh, The same Greek word that is used here is the same Hebrew word uh, that is used in Isaiah chapter 8, verse 6. And so Jesus is up to something here. Like he, he's doing something. He's purposeful in everything uh, that he does. Jesus is also stirring up a bit of controversy uh, because we learn later in the story that Jesus heals this man on the Sabbath. And for the religious leaders, for the Pharisees, that was a no-no. Like you weren't allowed to work on the Sabbath. And Jesus was creating mud, which according to them was work, Uh, which was breaking God's commands, which was sin. Look at verse uh, 8, and we're going to watch how people respond to this miraculous work uh, that Jesus had done. John chapter 9, verse 8, the neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, it is he. Others said, no, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, then how were your eyes opened? And he answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. Right, so I, lo- I love how this story is playing out. I'm trying to imagine what the scene would have been like. The blind beggar is made well, right? He hasn't seen his whole life. Now, miraculously, he can see. The neighbors see him, and for the first time, he sees them. And they're full of questions. Right? They see him. Perhaps their eyes meet, and they go, Wait a second. <laughs> are are you? Are were you? Weren't you j- yesterday? W- weren't? What? I mean, they're blown away. They don't know if he's the guy or not. And he tells them, "No, I'm, I'm the guy, the guy that was a fixture on the side of the road or at the city gate, uh, the, the the guy who you heard raise his voice." begging and pleading for mercy. Hello, that's me. I can see now. Like just imagine for a moment a man who has been lame his whole life, you see one morning jogging around the neighborhood and you pass him and stop and go, hold on a second. <laughs> Wait, what just happened? That's what the people are doing. They're going, what just happened? And he is telling them, listen, it's, it's me. And they're going, no, 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 it's, it's not you. And he goes, no, it's me. And they're like, how did this happen? And he's like, I'll tell you how it happened. There's a man by the name of Jesus, spit on the ground, put mud on my eyes. I went to the pool and washed and voila, like I can see. And the people don't know what to do with him. So they get back up or they call back up. They're going to bring this man to the Pharisees. And that's exactly what they do. Verse 13 reads, They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. 
Now it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. Uh Uh-oh. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. And some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such things? And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? And he said, he is a prophet. Right? So the story is building. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made mud and opened his eyes. Right? This is going to make the Pharisees mad. And there's, there's a reason that Jesus does this. The Pharisees are like, hey, no, no work on the Sabbath. And they define what that looked like. They, they sort of, as they typically had uh, propensity to do, they created a list of things that you could do and could not do. And one of the things that you couldn't do is you couldn't, couldn't make mud. Like you're not out there laying brick on the Sabbath. And so what Jesus did was a no-no. And so the Pharisees hear this man's story about G- how Jesus had healed him. And some of them uh, respond, this, this man who did this, clearly he's not from God because he's punching the clock on his day off. Like, he shouldn't be doing this. And other people are hearing this story, and they're going, um, like, wait a second. Uh, that doesn't happen all the time. So some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. I know this may be a little repetitive, but all throughout the Gospel of John, uh, people are wrestling through and with this question of who is Jesus? Like, w- what are we going to do with this man? Is Jesus who he claims to be? Is he the son of God? Is he the Messiah? Or is Jesus a liar? Is he a rule bla- breaker? And there are some people 2,000 years ago that looked at Jesus and said, he's upsetting the apple cart and he's up to no good. And there are other people who looked at Jesus and said, I believe him. And that is no different than today. It's no different than today. Uh, Perhaps you're here this morning because God has given you eyes to see. And you take Jesus at his word. And you're going, yeah, he's, he's God's son. Like, I believe him. I've devoted my life to trusting in him and following him. I love him. And then maybe for others, you're on the fence. Or maybe you're not even on the fence. Maybe you're going, I, man, I, I don't, come on, really? This doesn't happen. It's no different for us than it was for them some 2,000 years ago. But this book was written, as we have said, nearly every week for months, so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Not everyone believed. The story continues in verse 18. The Jews did not believe that this man had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but how he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. 
His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age. Ask him. So I love, I love how this story is unfolding. The neighbors go to the man and they're like, hey, is it you? And he's like, it's me. And they're like, how did this happen? And he's like, Jesus did it. And they were like, really? And he was like, really? And so they take him to the Pharisees. And the Pharisees are like, what went down? And he's like, Jesus told me that I can see now. And the Pharisees are like, Jesus is up to no good. And then other people are like, we believe and trust in Jesus. The man tells his story and they go, we're going to ask your mommy and daddy. Right? Like, give us their, no, we're checking with your parents. Right? And so they do, they go to his parents and they're like, please identify your son. Is this your boy? They're like, that's our boy. They're like, did you raise him? We raised him. They're like, was he blind from birth? They're like, yep. What happened? They're like, we don't know. He's a big boy. Ask him. Like his parents distanced themselves from their, their son. And the reason they do this is because they don't want to cause any trouble. They don't want to ruffle any feathers with the religious leaders. They don't want to get kicked out of the synagogue. So they essentially pass the buck. It's like when your boy, your girl turns 21 and someone calls looking for them, you're like, I don't know. Like, you find them. You find them. You talk to them. Like, I'm not going to answer for them. Not anymore. That's what the parents I tell the Pharisees and the Jews to do. And so that's what they do. Verse 24. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man, Jesus, is a sinner. And he answered, whether he is a sinner I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. I love his response. The Pharisees want this man to worship God. They they believe that Jesus is a liar. They believe that Jesus is a sinner. And so they're telling this man, confess to us that this man who healed you cannot be trusted that he is a sinner and instead give glory to God. And and the man essentially says to them, listen, if you want me to teach a, a class on Christology, perhaps I'm not your man. But this is what I know. There was a time that I was blind and now I see. That's what I know. Church family Uh, Do not, do not underestimate the power of your story. Don't underestimate the power of your story. If if God has opened your eyes by the power of of his spirit to the beauty of Jesus, then you have an incredibly powerful story. To experience new birth, to have spiritual eyes to see is a miracle. And if God does that in your life, then your story is powerful. So share your story. 
You, you don't have to teach a seminary class. You can tell people, this is what I know. I was, I was blind, uh, but now I see. Your personal testimony is powerful. A life changed by God is incredibly compelling. Verse 26, then they said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered them, I've told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Uh Oh, (laughs) like you can almost feel him uh, getting a little irritated by their question. You know the Pharisees are going to be irritated by his answers. He almost comes across as a parent saying to their little boy or their little girl, asked and answered, like we've talked about this already. I told you what happened. I told you who did it. And you still won't believe me. Do you want to follow him too? Well, that's not going to sit well. And it doesn't. Verse 28 reads, And they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The Pharisees are going, Hey, watch it, buddy. Don't question us. We're disciples of Moses. Perhaps you've heard of him. I know you're following the new teacher in town. I don't know who he is or where he is from. We follow Moses. And they're getting ticked. (laughs) They are getting ticked. And so it says in verse 30, the man answered, why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it ever been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And they answered him, you were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. The man looks at the Pharisees and says to them, listen, I am one of one. This has never happened before. You think some cat is going to come into town and be able to do what this man did and not be from God? And the Pharisee said, that's enough. Get out of here. And they shoo him away. They cast him out. You know, you can almost feel this man growing in boldness as he talks about Jesus. At first, he mentions his name, then he calls him a prophet, they go to his parents, they come back to the man, and eventually this guy goes, man, uh, listen, I don't know exactly where Jesus is from or who he is, this is what I know, I was blind and now I see. And then, like, more and more, you can feel boldness growing in this man's heart. And the religious leaders say to him, how dare you, a sinner, teach us? And they kick him out. Uh, when, when God uh, gives you eyes to see, we cannot unsee what we've seen. Have you had that experience before? What wasn't clear 
is made clear. What you don't see now, you see. Have you ever seen this optical illusion uh, before? It's a pretty well-known one. Maybe, maybe you've come across it before. It, it has a tendency to play uh, tricks on your eyes. How many people, when you look at this, uh, see the young woman kind of turning away? Do you see her? Raise your hand. Number of people. Okay. Uh, how many people see uh, the, I don't want to say old woman, but the more mature woman? You can look, look at it. Raise your hand if you see her. You see her? She has a, kind of a larger nose. She has a pointed chin. Do you see her? If you've seen this before, I mean, if you've come across it before, inevitably, you either see the young woman first or you see the older woman first. But when you look at it for a second or two, and, and you see both the younger woman and the older woman, you, once you see it, you can't unsee it. I saw this again, and I was like, there it is. There she is. You can't miss her. You can't unsee what has been seen. When, when you see Jesus, when you are given spiritual eyes to see, you cannot unsee him. You can't unsee him. And, and this man is beginning to see Jesus. And he's beginning to see him not, not only as a man who performed a miracle in his life, but he is coming to see him for who he is. Verse 35 of John chapter 9, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? What a question. And he answered, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. And the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Uh, for, for him, this is, this is the moment that he saw Jesus clearly. He saw Jesus clearly. Jesus said, do you believe in the Son of Man? And the, and the man said, and, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said, you're looking at him. You're looking at him. And the man said, I believe. And he worshipped him. I love the man's response. Uh, I love the fact that the text tells us that yes, he, he believed Jesus. He took him at his word. But when he believed Jesus, he responded in worship. I believe that this is an appropriate response for the follower of Jesus. When, when you go, no, I, I believe. I believe. The, the right response, the, the proper response is to bow down and worship. right? Because you see the God-man. You see the Savior of the world. Jesus reveals himself to you and to me, and we respond in praise and in worship. This is what uh, this man did. Verse 39, Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. 
verse 40, some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, hey, are we also blind? And Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. Those who know their spiritual blindness uh, come to Jesus for spiritual sight. Those who know their spiritual blindness, which, which means those who know the, the depth of their sin, their brokenness, their inability to rescue uh, themselves, they go to Jesus for spiritual sight. Those who think they have spiritual 2020 vision and have no need for Jesus are spiritually blind. If you see today your spiritual blindness and come to Jesus, God will give you spiritual sight. If you don't think you need Jesus, you are blind and you do not see. Has God given you eyes to see? Scripture teaches us that God uh, created the world and everything in it. God spoke the world into existence. And he created humanity, man and woman, to live in a relationship uh, with him. Sadly, because of the decision of uh, our first humans, sin entered into the world. And as a result of sin, death and disease, and all sorts of human brokenness. Um, God is holy and just, and he cannot ignore sin. He doesn't sweep sin under the rug or turn a blind eye to it. It must uh, be dealt with. And God is also gracious and incredibly merciful. And so he sent his son, fully God and fully man, on a rescue mission. Uh, Jesus came to this earth and was born of a virgin, uh, lived a perfect life, and died a sinner's death. Uh, he was crucified on a cross and buried and three days later, he rose from the grave, defeating death so that we, so that you and, and me, uh, may have life by faith or through faith in him. Uh, may God, by the power of his spirit, uh, give you eyes to see and believe and worship Jesus today. Would you pray with me? A church family, in the quietness of this moment, I want to give you a time to respond uh, to God's word. Consider uh, how God, after hearing his word this morning, is calling you to respond. Uh, perhaps God is calling uh, you uh, to notice uh, those with disabilities, to notice those who you're more apt to ignore or to simply move past. Maybe he wants you to stop and pause and see today. Maybe God is, is calling you uh, to consider the claims of Jesus. Maybe you recognize your spiritual blindness and you want to see. God, through the power of his spirit, is calling you into a relationship uh, with him. He's calling you by faith uh, to trust in the finished work of Jesus. Maybe God is calling you this morning just, just to admit your spiritual blindness and come before the Lord and say, God, would you help? 
Would you give me eyes to see? Maybe you're here this morning and you would readily admit that God, uh, by His Spirit and because of His grace, has given you eyes to see. You've seen Jesus and you are, you are so glad that you have. And God is just simply calling you to worship Him. Just take a moment this morning and come before the Lord and consider how He is calling you to respond. God, we give you thanks for, uh, for giving us eyes to see. I thank you that when we were far from you, you drew us near. Thank you that when we lived in darkness, that uh, you shined as a bright light. God, for those far from you this morning, I pray that you would give them eyes to see. Would you, by the power of your spirit, draw them uh, near to you, pour faith into their hearts. God, we love you because you have loved us first. We pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen.